Danny J. And I'm Jill Coleman. Welcome to the Best Life Podcast. Here, we talk about everything from success, money, relationships, and entrepreneurship to productivity, honest communication, positive psychology, and how to cultivate an abundance mindset. Make money, travel the world, deepen your relationships, live full out. This is the best life. thing we'll just start talking about it see where it goes <laughs> hey y'all uh, what it's, is going on y'all hey it's danny J. and it's jill coleman welcome to another episode of the best life um and it is the best life and today we are going to talk about uh, a juicy juicy topic uh, listeners always love when we talk body image mm-hmm. body esteem so do you want to give people some context yeah. So on my Instagram stories uh, yesterday, I was, I went on a jog and I don't know, I'm always joking lately about, I always say if I'm jogging or doing anything, I'm better than everyone else not doing it. Mostly. I mean, it's totally a joke because I feel like when you and I were in the fitness industry, there's like this self-righteousness, a lot of fitness professionals have and people in the fitness industry that are like, go out and you should be out there and you should no excuses. <laughs> you got legs, don't you? Uh, <laughs> But there's just this whole like hustle mentality, like you need to be out there doing stuff. And if you're not, you're just a lazy piece of shit and you don't want it bad enough. And I honestly used to subscribe to that mentality a little bit. I was, my business was called No Excuses. And really where that came from was me being paralyzed and like looking around and seeing these people who like had a lot of disabilities and could really still were doing stuff. And I was like, dang, these people don't have excuses. So like, what's yours? But I never had an infant. I never had a sick child. I never had a lot of things that are potentially quote excuses. And I'm putting it in quotes. Cause I'm like, there's, I really think there's valid reasons. And then there's excuses. And I think we know when we're making excuses, um, maybe not, but so anyway, I made this post and I also just started to share that I am kind of on my own journey of getting myself back in shape, like inconsistent consistency in working out, um, and eating better. And I, I caveated it with, I may not look like I'm out of shape because I knew I was going to get the comments like you look fine. And for me, it's not about what I look like. It's not about looking fine or like having abs or anything like that. It is, I have hardly worked out in a year and a half. Um, I've really neglected my physical self as far as eating and sleeping and obviously not training either. And so for me, it's about like feeling better. I got some lab work done and my labs were pretty messed up. And so there's a lot going on as far as on the inside that maybe just looking at me like, oh, she looks fine. She doesn't need to work out. And I kind of brought this up to jail before we got on. I used to get this all the time when I was a competitor, people going, oh my gosh, you don't need to eat like that. You're already so thin or you're lean, or you don't need to train all the time. You're already look really lean. And I remember just always going, yeah, dumbass. How do you think I got this lean? Like it's because I do these things, but it's really not the point. I think the point is ultimately, I mean, the point is one, mind your fucking business Two, Um, it's really like, how do you feel? How do you feel about yourself? And that's why we choose to eat better or work out or get healthy, or it's one of the reasons I'm not going to say it's not. And I think it's, why. I think it's an evolution. You know, I think there's something to honoring the fact that most of us, if you are listening to this, you're probably in your thirties, forties, fifties beyond. And the majority of us probably dieted a lot. We've probably had a lot of experiences with different diets. Maybe we've over-exercised at times. We've definitely gone on some yo-yo sort of roller coasters. 
And I think that's a product of, I hate to use the phrase like diet culture, but it really is sort of the product of that. For example, I remember I went on my first diet, my first real diet when I was 21. And that was pretty old. I feel like most people probably went on their diet a lot younger than that. I think you, you know, you've talked on the, on the podcast about really dealing with a lot of ED stuff and high school and things like that, especially as a gymnast, competitive gymnast. Um, so I feel kind of fortunate the very first time I sort of restricted calories consciously, it was not till I was 21, but I don't even know why I did it. You know, like I, I looking back, I think so many of us just start dieting because it's what you do. Yeah. I remember just always hearing my mom just say, I need to lose five pounds. I need to lose five pounds. Like it didn't matter if she had already lost 15 pounds. She just need to lose five pounds. That was always just like a narrative. And so I think most of us, if you're a woman listening to this, you probably just started dieting without thinking about it. And then, so once you kind of have this, and for me and you, it really took this sort of extreme dieting and extreme exercise obsession and body obsession to get to the point. I mean, you physically, your body just broke down. You went into full-blown adrenal fatigue, metabolic damage. Like you literally, your body just stopped responding. And for me, it was more of like a psychological sort of the up and down, you know, like gaining and losing the same 20, 30 pounds multiple times within a year for like a decade. That's not benign. Not only is that not benign on the metabolism, but it's not benign on the, the psychology. Mm. And so when you think about like doing that, most women have dieted like that for decades. So in order to sort of unlearn a lot of that, we have to have a wake up moment. I don't know if you remember your moment, but I remember mine. I was literally like, I can't keep doing this. I hate this so much. And yet I can't stop doing it. I was doing two hours of cardio a day. I don't even know why, just, I felt like I had to, and I'd wake up in the morning and just go, I would start crying. I have two hours of in like moderate intensity exercise in front of me, like mm -hmm. watching, you know, uh, vampire diaries on like an iPad on like the elliptical or whatever. It's no way to live, mm -hmm. but I needed to have the full experience to get to the other side of it. And if you're lucky enough, you do get to the other side of it. And at that point you sort of reframe stuff and you have the perspective of like, what's actually important to me. I think that is a self-awareness thing that a lot of us never get to, or it takes us a long time to get to the point of self-awareness to be like, why am I actually doing this? What is this all about? Yeah. And is there another way that's less miserable? Yeah. I mean, I had a similar wake up moment and you know, it's interesting now as I'm on the other side of the pendulum, it's funny. I think those moments were how you said you had to do two hours of cardio and you cried it's like this compulsion that you need to do it. You have to do it. And you're, I don't know, I guess you're scared not to, I think as you were saying that I was thinking in my head, the fear that I had, what was going to happen is what's actually happening. What's happened to me in the last year, which is if I don't do all of the things, I'm just going to be so lazy. I'm going to do nothing. I'm not going to work out. I'm just going to eat shitty. I'm going to just blow up and turn into some blob. And it's like, I don't know why we have this like huge pendulum swing. Like there's no middle area. <laughs> no, like, it's just like yeah. catastrophic. Yeah. So we, so I remember thinking like, if I don't train, then I'll just do nothing and be lazy. And it's interesting because this last year I pretty much, I won't say I didn't train at all, but it was very, very sporadically within since 2020, uh, since March, 2020, like when the lockdown happened, I have probably trained maybe a dozen times, maybe a little over that. Um, and what's the worst thing that happened? I mean, I know it's not your favorite because you feel better, yeah. like you feel better when you train, but like, what's what, like the thing that you were the most scared of and the it came to fruition. Right. What is it? It's like, well, the thing that I was most scared of didn't come to fruition, which is 
like I'd turn into some giant 600 pound life on TLC or something like that didn't happen. <laughs> um, and then I have to need surgery to lose weight. I don't know. I don't even really know what the actual worst thing, but the irony is that, um, starting back again. So I think there's, there's one issue with the term getting back in shape, but I don't really know how else to say it. So like, as I'm saying it, I'm even like, this isn't really the right thing to say, because for me, back in shape can mean a lot of, it can mean a lot of different things. You know, I think for some people it's like getting back to their best shape ever. Like, or like high school weight or something. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, it's like, woman, you've had three kids and you're 44. <laughs> right. Like you're right. not going to be who you were in high school. It's and, a different there, metabolism. Yeah. And there isn't, there is something, I don't want to say wrong. I don't know what the right words for this is, but there's something off about how we, we expect women to get get their body back after baby, get back in shape. Like we need to go back to somewhere where we can't go back to, like, we cannot go back to pre pregnancy before you had a baby, your body has changed completely Two babies, three babies, four babies, or you you're 40 years old. You're not going to get back to where you were in your twenties. So when we say, when I said, get back in shape, even in the back of my mind, I'm like, that's not really what I mean. But what I'm trying to say is I'm trying to get back to being consistent and back to feeling good. And so I think it's important that we watch our vocabulary, although I don't know how else to say some things. I think it's important that we just pay attention to our vocabulary and maybe what we mean or what we're trying to get, because I think we can even fuck ourselves up <laughs> as much as we already get fucked up by society and then messages in the media and social media. Then we say things that fuck our own selves up and we need to be realistic. Um, and I hate to even say that because I think like the old driven part of me is like, don't make realistic goals be, you know, you want to be extraordinary. But I think, I think that there is some power in being realistic. I think there's also some power in being unrealistic and setting unrealistic expectations and goals. But for certain things, for me right now, one of the things I said on my story is the thing I'm focusing on right now is just consistency, just getting back to consistency. So that means if my workouts are slow and light and quote, stupid, like how I used to have been like, that's not even a real workout. I don't even give a crap because I just need to do something a little bit every single day. Then I could decide how I want, if I want to bump up the intensity or if I want to get more lean, or if I want to change anything, but right now it's like, just be consistent. So I'm, I'm getting back in the habit, but I think we need to be careful about beating ourselves up for taking breaks. I think it's okay. If our break lasted longer than we thought it was going to like 2020. I also think like realistic is like, yeah. I don't know. I think at 40, you just have different goals too. You know, like I, and I know there are plenty of women in their forties, fifties and beyond who do competitions, but that's just not important to me anymore. So I'm not going to yeah. have an unrealistic goal in a part of my life that I don't care as much about, you know, like that's, I mean, I care about my health and fitness, of course, but to me, the difference in not only effort, but like time and mental energy that it would take to be competitor level lean versus just regular, like healthy fit lean mm -hmm. is so different. That That's a huge gap and regular healthy fit automated is easy. 
It's so easy. It's literally a nothing to me. Like it's not hard at all. And of course you get to the, you get to that point through practice. Um, but the gap between needing to be like, have an extraordinary fitness goal and having like just a, like a regular sort of being like fine with it is so big. That's just not worth it to me. Now there are other parts of my life where I'm going to get very uncomfortable because I have a very unrealistic goal. Like, you know, I want to be extraordinary in business. I want to have amazing relationships. I'm going to continue to make myself uncomfortable in those spaces on purpose to get to a different level of success in those areas. But when it comes to my physique, I know, and you know what that was like. It, you, we both know what it, what it was like to be 10% body fat. We both yeah. know what it was like to get up on stage and win competitions. We both know what it was like to get the affirmation for your physique and people commenting on it and stuff. And it was fun, but it was a full-time job. And so it's not that you can't have unrealistic goals or want to be extraordinary. You have to just be discerning because I always think about like your mental energy or even your time, right? It's like a, it's a pie. There's not infinite amounts of it. So if I'm going to give three quarters of this pie to my physique endeavors, that literally is taking actual real time and mental energy away from my friends and family, my business, my leisure time, my hobbies, all the other things that I want to do, because we can't just keep doing more. And I think, especially as women, we think that we can, why can't I, or we see other people who seemingly are Wonder Woman, right? Oh, they seem to have it all. They're just doing it every time I see them on social media. The kids are perfect. The clothes are perfect. Like we just see these things and we assume that they're doing all of these things really well. And I can tell you, they're probably fucking not. They're probably not doing them well. There is some place in their life where they're dropping the ball. And that's just, I mean, you can get better at everything like slowly, but you, I don't think that you can be extraordinary at all the big parts of your life. Yeah. I'm glad you brought up that like relationships and business and other things. That's exactly what I meant. It's like, we can have unrealistic expectations for certain things, but I think in some places it's better to be more realistic. I think in some situations and times in our lives, it's better to be unrealistic or to be realistic, not unrealistic. And I think too, we have to also be careful of that judging someone, uh, and their health and their fitness by how they look. Um, this came up because I got a DM from someone and she said, Oh, can you kind of, can you talk about this? Because I have a friend who's really thin and skinny. And when there's something's wrong with her, nobody really has any, anything to say, but if something's wrong with me, it's almost like they expect it. Cause she's, it sounds like maybe she's heavier or overweight or something, or at least in her mind, I didn't look at her pictures or anything. Um, so I think it's really interesting that sometimes we, we get a pass if we're thin or, or skinny, or I don't know, a smaller size in our culture that we have some kind of a, uh, I don't know, there's what we call the skinny privilege, right? There is this. Yeah. I mean, there's thin privilege for sure. Mm -hmm. Just like there's pretty privilege, you know, male privilege, white privilege, these kind of things. And, you know, when we say privilege, it's not that it's, and I, I can hear people listening being like, well, it's a personal choice. It's personal responsibility. Like everyone has the same like choices to go to the gym or not go to the gym, whatever. Yes. But there are a lot of different just opportunities and there's a lot of different resources versus less resources. And so we have to kind of take those things into consideration. Yes. You guys know that Danny and I are 100% like personal responsibility, radical responsibility, make different choices if you want to. However, some people just like literally don't have access, know-how awareness education 
that other people do. So before they knew it, maybe they grew up on like TV dinners and stuff like that. Right. Like, and as a kid, that was probably what they wanted to eat. Right. And then they wake up and they're 40, 50 years old and they haven't been able to be a normal size or like in a smaller body their entire life. And now it's even harder. And so there's a lot of things like that, that we have to take into consideration. So it doesn't mean that like, I hear a lot of people saying like, oh, like what about thin shaming? Like I'm, I get shame for being thin. I'm like, it's never going to be the same because mm-hmm. in our culture, thin is seemingly perceived as healthier, uh, more disciplined, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, cleaner, like stuff like this is actually shown in studies that people who are in larger bodies are perceived as like dirtier. Like this is so fucked up. Mm-hmm not true at all, obviously, or like less motivated or whatever. It's funny. I listened to this, um, talk by John Berardi, who was the founder of precision nutrition years ago. And I remember him saying that everyone's motivated, just not everyone's motivated to health and fitness. And Mm -hmm. I always remembered that as a personal trainer, you know, my client comes in, they are a busy attorney with three kids and a husband who works right? Like they're not going to be motivated to get to the gym five days a week, right? They're trying to just hold it all together, which is why they come to me a couple times a week. We have that time and that's good. And I can be like, oh, there's so much more they could do, right? They could just do so much more with their health. They should be eating better. They can be like, here, they can take these supplements. Like I'm ready to pour on all the like to do's they don't have the fucking bandwidth. And so we have to consider the fact that, but you would never call that attorney not motivated, right? She's got the family, she's got the job, she's got the high paying, like she has all things, but not motivated to health and fitness. So I think we have to be careful where we say that someone is unmotivated or they lack willpower or they're lazy or any of these things, especially because you and I have both had moments in our own journeys where we just gained weight and there was a lot of shame around it, but it was literally just what needed to happen to heal the metabolism. Yeah. And so it's, I think that it's really short sighted to be like thin equals better, more disciplined. That's not necessarily true. And so I think we need to start, you know, considering having these conversations more readily, especially, you know, I don't know, like my parents' generation, they have this very sort of like, I think it's like kind of old school. Like they just see someone who is overweight and it's very much like, Mm. oh, they could do something about it. And it's like, maybe they can't though. You don't know what health issues they have, what competing priorities they have, what, what resources they have. Like, and to me, it's just fucking lazy to make that judgment. Yeah. And so while Danny and I obviously value health and fitness, and both of us have been steeped in that uh, industry, we also realize there's a ton of nuance here. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think like, yay for me um, that I still have some kind of flat stomach and I haven't worked out in a year. That's not anything I did. That's not anything I earned or like worked at. And so it's, it is sometimes a, it is sometimes unfair. Like somebody who took the same amount of time off as me, maybe would have had a different outcome than Especially I did. In quarantine. Like a lot of people just gain weight in quarantine because <sighs> totally. they're just like not able to be, go to yep. their gym or be outside or whatever. So like yep. they can't go for walks. They're just like more sedentary. Yep. And to be honest, and this is also, a th- you know, something to comment about people's weight loss as how weight loss isn't always a great thing is, and you know, as soon as I found out about my mom's, um, brain tumor and cancer, I dropped weight so fast because I didn't eat for like three months. <laughs> I ate very, very little. I just couldn't, I was high anxiety. I was constantly taking care of her. So I had a lot less time to take care of myself and it 
it came off and it wasn't on purpose. And so maybe it was quote lucky if those people are like, who are trying to lose weight, like, oh, that's not fair. I usually gain weight on stress. Well, then it just came back around. And like, as soon as that kind of stress wore off, then it turned into like the opposite. And I started putting it back on. So our bodies go through fluctuations and especially with weight loss, we do have to be careful too. We don't know if somebody is sick, if they're going through a breakup, if they're going through an illness, if they're going through something really stressful and it could be offensive too. If someone say, you look so good, you look amazing. You've lost weight. And it's like, you have no idea that they are going through one of the most traumatic times in their life. And they literally can't, can't eat. And then not only that is when potentially the pendulum swings back, which it likely will, then they feel like, oh, I didn't get any of this affirmation. And now like, now I'm trying to really deal with whatever, you know, happened and now my body looks bad. And so now it's just layering more shame on top of that. So we just have to be careful all around and how we talk to others, how we talk to ourselves, stop making our bodies so much of the forefront of everything. I think that's the major point, right? Like, I think that's the major point, which is like, when I think about all the things, places we could put our energy, work that we love, family, friends, relationships, body, I always ask myself, like, what of those, like, fills me up, right? Like, if I have, if I walk around with a six pack and, you know, I'm 12, 15% body fat, how is that really fulfilling? Really? Like, at the end of the day, how's it feeling? Sure. Do I get comments? Oh, I wish I had your body. I wish you, oh my God, you have abs. Like, but that's still nothing, you know, like that's still empty. It doesn't do anything for me. Not only does it not do anything for me, it doesn't do anything for other people. It has zero utility in the world. You know, it just doesn't, I'm not going to be walking around being like, I'm an inspiring physique. It's like, no, what? That's the stupidest shit. But if you have a job where you're literally helping people better themselves in some way, or you have relationships that nurture you, that nurture them, like now you're starting to really get something back. And so that's kind of where I I got to, where I was like, I'm not getting anything out of these like vanity sort of like ego pursuits, right? They're fine. I'm glad I'm grateful for the experience. But when I started my blog and I started helping people at Jill Fit, totally different, totally different way. And I still get affirmation from that. And I prefer affirmation because Mm -hmm. I'm helping people, not because I have like the fucking best physique on stage. Well, I'm so glad you brought that up because I could hear someone, this is my old self-talk is I'd hear someone like you and go, oh, well, easiest for her to say, cause she's had that experience. Like, can I just once have somebody comment on my abs or specifically money when people like, you know, you get all the cars and you have the nice house and it's not a big deal. And I remember just being in a place going, well, I would like to know what that's like right now. I can't pay my bills. Like, sure. Just how about I take the car and just make sure that it's not so great. It's like more money, more problems. I'll take those problems. Give me those problems. So it is from a, when you're coming from a place of like, you have abundance, you have it all and you realize it didn't make you happy or you've had the abs and you realize it didn't make you happy. It's way easy to say it. And so I want to validate the people sitting there go, Oh, easy for you to say, Joe, like you're super fit. You've already, yeah, you've yeah. been fit. Like you never like we're out of shape. Like, yeah, I get but, it. But the truth is it, what you said was spot on. It's like, it's not helping anybody. It's really not. And the truth is you don't have to like hit that and go, Oh, you're right. Like I, I'm actually reading right now, uh, Gabby Bernstein's book, judgment detox. And the irony about this is like G- Gabby Bernstein is an author. I don't even know why out of all the authors I've judged, she's one. And <laughs> Um, one of the reasons I think I was watching, a, I was watching a talk of hers. It was when I was going through my adrenal fatigue and she's very thin. She's very beautiful. She's very accomplished. And she made some comment about how, um, about something around her body. And she was like, I realized I couldn't be happy in my body. Like I couldn't accept my body 
as my weight, as the weight, I guess she said she gained some weight. I don't know. Cause she was skinny when she was giving this talk. Um, she's like, I had to love myself first before I could like actually lose the weight. And I was like thinking, Oh, easy for you to say, bitch, you're like this skinny, pretty lady. And I don't know what her body looked like before, but I listened to that. And my first thought was easy for you to say. And then I really took it to heart. And this was during the middle of my adrenal fatigue and all my body stuff. And I had gained 30 pounds. And I was like, you know what, maybe there's something to that. And so I started to try to appreciate my body for where it was. I'm like, I may not like it, but hating it isn't going to get, it's not getting me any better. So I started to appreciate myself for where I was. And eventually I did start to lose that weight. But even if I hadn't, I finally was able to like appreciate and like my body for where I was. So I want to just validate that you do really have to get to this point of being okay with where you are, even like financially too, you know, like getting a place where you're like, okay, I'm broke, but I still have a roof over my head. Like the gratitude practices we've talked about, um, like, oh, I don't have all the money in the world, but I do have this, you know, I was able to buy myself a meal today. So we have to get ourselves out of the place of looking at everyone else and go easy for you to say, easy for you to say, easy for you to say. Well, I also think that that makes it competitive too, right? mm -hmm. Like, so for example, looking at Gabby or whatever, or Danny or myself, and you're going, well, that's easy for you. Or I don't even understand why you're insecure about your body. Look at your body. And that makes it almost like objective, like insecurities aren't objective, right? Insecurities are subjective. So like if, so I could be literally real thin and we see this all the, all the time in the ED community, right? They literally cannot see what they look like and they think they're fat. And so we might be looking at them and be like, you're literally skin and bones. You think you're fat, like, but to them, right? Yeah. And my whole thing is like, everyone has a right to their insecurity. I don't think it serves us. I think that there's a lot of work to be done but everyone deserves to have their own full experience for someone to say, Oh, what are you insecure about this, this, and this I'm, I'm poorer than you. Mm -hmm. I'm larger than you, right? Like it's not, you can't even compare. It's not, it's not relative. It's literally absolute. So I think no matter, and this sounds cliche as fuck, but like, no matter what your size is, you do have a choice to just go, like you said, yeah. Can I, can I love and appreciate who I am right now? It doesn't mean I, I don't maybe want to progress in some way. I don't want to do something different, you know, but also I can, if nothing changed, I would be okay. Like I still want to work on something, but I would be okay. And I think that's the ultimate question to ask yourself is like, if you never lost another pound, would you be okay? Mm-hmm. And can you answer that honestly? Mm-hmm. And for a lot of people listening, maybe the answer is no. And yeah. maybe you still have a little bit of work to do, you know, but I think that pointing out how someone doesn't have the right to feel insecure is a little bit um, just short-sighted because I don't think it's that. I don't think it, that works that way. Yeah. No, it doesn't work that way. It's not. And we, we all know that. We all know people who are, we are like, oh, I, I could be more insecure than you. And it, it is almost like, oh, if you are, then I have to be, which also other people's insecurities have nothing to do with you. So if someone is like thinner than you and they feel like they're too fat and you don't have to feel bad about yourself because if they do, then you must need to like what other people feel about themselves doesn't reflect how you should feel about yourself either. In fact, more than anything, maybe you could be an example. I do remember going to like wet and wild or like some kind of uh, water park or something when I was younger, like in my teenage years and really in my eating disorder years and being so jealous. I'd look at these adults who in my mind were shouldn't have been in bathing suits because I was super judgmental of them, but they were having fun and they seemed free and they were like 
running around and splashing. And, and I was sitting there insecure, constantly wanting to put a towel around my waist to hide my cellulite that I thought I had. And I probably didn't, um, constantly like looking down at my stomach, at my rolls, trying to like sit up straight. I was so insecure and so uncomfortable with my body the whole time. I couldn't enjoy myself. And I was jealous of the people who in my mind had lots of reasons to be insecure, but they weren't. And I was like, I wish I could just have that mindset. Like, I wish I could just not care. And I was obsessed and I couldn't get out of that part of my brain. And so maybe by accepting yourself and really showing up, however you are, you can inspire someone else to go, you know what, maybe I shouldn't be so insecure about myself. Like I'm okay. And maybe that's something that they want. I truly did. I wanted to be free of the insecurity and it took a long time to get there, but people who like just accepted themselves and love their bodies anyway, I was like so inspired and I wanted that badly. So you don't have to, look at someone's, yeah, you don't have to look at someone's insecurities and go, well, shoot, if they're insecure, then I should be more, then it's- I should be more insecure. <laughs> well, it's funny because we had someone on the podcast. I won't say who, but we had a guest on the podcast who was very affluent. This is a couple of years ago. And I remember she was saying, and she and her husband are like, they are millionaires, but like, like hundreds of millions of dollars, right? Not just like, I'm like a million dollars, like hundreds of millions of dollars. And I remember her saying something on the, I think it was on the podcast where she was kind of like, not talking shit, but she was kind of like, these billionaires think they can bully us. And like, I was just like, I don't even understand the money we're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. I I couldn't (laughs) even like conceptualize, but it just goes to show you could have a hundred million dollars and still not feel like you have enough money. So it's like, they're just, it never ends. That's why like insecurity at the end of the day, kind of is a choice to just be like, okay, like, yes. Do I want to still make a billion dollars? Sure. But like, I'm cool with my hundred million. Like, yeah. (laughs) And so I think I remember just that moment and I was just like, wow, it really does never end. Right. There's no like place to get to. And I remember even, um, doc Jen, who we had on the podcast, she was actually giving a talk at my mastermind, uh, a couple of years ago. And she has like half million followers, something on Instagram. And I remember her saying just sort of off the cuff, she's like, well, I'm trying to grow on Instagram. So this, this, and this. And I was like, and I remember because my, my girls are sitting there and they have maybe 10,000 followers, 12,000 followers. And I was like, see girls, it never ends. You wish you always want more, right? You always want more. And so it was just, that was interesting to me to really just go, okay. Like there's no point at which you feel like you're good because it's always next level. And so I think you have to really enjoy the process and enjoy where you're at. Doesn't mean you don't strive for more, but it means you have to figure out a way to like the present and like yourself right now. And I think that's probably a better place to motivate yourself from anyway, than from like a negative sort of self-talk place. Always, always. I really have found that like, I've seen maybe some memes about it. Like if hating your body doesn't get you to where you are, then maybe seeing what loving it will do. And I think Mm -hmm. there's something to that, like hating yourself into fitness and thinness or weight loss or anything to change we've talked about this many times is like shame is a really bad motivator and it doesn't really, doesn't really seem to stick. And it certainly doesn't make us happy shame and guilt and all of those things. we might feel like it motivates for a second, but I don't know, try, try being nice and having fun and then see what happens. And maybe you can enjoy the process instead of, instead of hating it, but yep. yep, I'm in the middle of the process again. And yeah, it's nice. I'm proud of you. I'm sore as hell. I gotta tell you. (laughs) 
<laughs> I am super sore. Yeah. But- well, I'm sure I'm sore all the time. But remember in uh, what 2017, we trained every morning at 9 a.m. Oh my gosh, that was the hardest. <laughs> it was, and you complained the whole time. And you literally were the worst. Uh, I loved it and hated it so much. Mm-hmm. Good. Well, you're going to keep us in the loop on how it's going. And y'all, I know these conversations are always a little nuanced and they're definitely juicy. Would love feedback on this. If you guys enjoyed this episode, if you want to hear more episodes like this, if you have specific questions or like things didn't maybe make sense to you, or maybe something was brought up um, that got you thinking about something, feel free to DM us on Insta, the best life podcast. Um, Probably the best way just slide into our DMs and we can have a conversation there and maybe bring it back to the podcast. So um, love this conversation. Obviously we have a lot of experience in this realm and uh, I'm just grateful to have sort of made the 180 and Danny J will keep you in the loop on her consistency journey. (laughs) All right, y'all. We'll see you soon on the next episode. Bye guys. Bye.